Um, so I plan on talking about a, some different things here, but I'm going to focus mainly on the events in DC this week and related to cryptocurrencies. So they had a number of speaking events. The big one was the Blockchain DC Summit. Um, another one was put on by the Heritage Foundation that I, I caught uh, the live stream of. But I'll speak mainly about what Ted Cruz said um, in his opening uh, speech. And then I'm also going to talk about my, um, my anger with the DC Blockchain Summit. Um, basically creating this closed off event where they invited, you know, politicians and um, bureaucrats and regulators who basically are paid from the taxpayers, payers, um, right? The taxpayers support these people. They pay their salaries. And yet this DC blockchain lobbyist group had the gall, had the balls to make this a closed event. Now I get charging for live for a in-person ticket because they have costs and stuff. Um, and you should be able to, you know, they, they sure for sure could be able to, um, to pay for those tickets, but I don't understand why they weren't opening up the live stream, you know, like every other crypto conference does for free. Um, especially, especially because this event had an unusual amount of regulators, again, senators, uh, speaking and, and the taxpayer pays for these people. They shouldn't have to pay for a live stream ticket. And I was so upset. Um, I'd even tried emailing them saying how disappointed I was. Right. Um, and, and asking for them to open it up, you know, ticket, but wouldn't do it. I even, um, guys our attendance. I replied again and said, well, look, I have this open podcast. So does this not count as a, as a media person? Right, because I saw somebody on Twitter asking for their pass uh, because they were media. So I'm I'm now media, right? Because I have a public podcast now. Hardly anybody listens to this, but it's still public, right? And I still have um, I still am in the right domain. I'm talking about crypto most of the time. So um, so why didn't they give me a pass? Uh, yeah, they wanted me to pay over hundred dollars for their live stream. I'm not going to do it out of principle. Uh, so yeah, so I didn't catch it. I just had to to see some some live, you know, some tweets by some people who were there, of course. And you know what really pisses me off is that they're talking about this crypto legislation bill, this bipartisan bill apparently that they want to pass. That's supported by you know Lummis. She's a crypto person. She's a senator. Sheila Brand, who's I guess across the aisle, Democrat, but also I guess is into crypto, so she's supporting it. Um, and it's, it's, you know, somebody tweeted out and because I couldn't, you know, be there firsthand, right. Or listen firsthand. I have to just go by these tweets, right. Because they denied me, uh, listening to this live stream. Um, but I'm just repeating this tweet and it basically said, we're going to define which cryptos are securities, which are commodities, uh, because, um, of course they want to control the narrative. They want to say what, what is security and what's not. And what it came down to, um, is, is Senator Loomis basically saying, you know, if you sell tokens, um, as long as those funds that you, that you, you get from selling a token is not used to fund a company, then your token is in the security. So, all right, this very narrow 
narrow definition, right? And the gall of this lady to think that she, right, whoever came up with this bill, has any authority on what should and shouldn't be a security. Why does she think she has to first explain why she thinks the securities laws of 1930 and 1940 don't apply here? You know, and I read an excellent, excellent speech the other day. It made a whole podcast out of it. I read this speech by this this SEC former head chairman named Arthur Levitt. It was from May 4th, 1999. And guess what? Guess what? They thought the internet didn't like needed new rules too. They thought the internet needed right a new way to regulate it. They thought that they thought that uh, back then people were hammer, hammering for well, if we're selling securities over the internet, we need a completely new regulatory framework for this uh, because they thought they were special. Well, I got news for you. You know, crypto is not special, and um, you, the same rules apply. And that basically, in this speech, Arthur Levitt, the SEC chairman, said that uh, the, these rules that were put in place, these security rules that were put in place, and the 1930s and 40s are very broad for a reason. They're supposed to be conceptual. And you apply these concepts to, 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 to today. Like, to what is a security today? It's not hard, people. Yeah, you do have to think about it for a while because everyone is shouting out, oh, look at the Howie test and look at this and look at that. Um, they're not really thinking from first principles, and this is their mistake. But conceptually, the same rules that, that were put in place in the 1930s and 1940s apply today, regardless of whatever new technology you think that you've created, that you think, oh, I'm, I'm special. I'm special. I don't have to abide by the securities regulations because I've, I've created a blockchain and I've, I've sold these tokens over a blockchain. Well, they were, you know, there were still, there, there were people hammering the SEC chairman in 1999 saying, I've created these special securities, these special shares, and I'm, I'm selling them over the internet. And, and, and the old rules don't apply to me, right? The old rule, no. I mean, the, the, the SEC chairman stood up and said, no, the same rules apply to you. It doesn't matter uh, where you're doing the selling, right? So he asked the question, I thought this, you know, for someone who uh, doesn't understand securities laws, but just to boil it down for people, th- this is the question he asked, or he said in his speech, he said, you still have to, whether you're selling shares over the internet, or the traditional, you know, I guess stock exchange broker, you know, through a broker, you still have to, you still have to disclose what you are selling and why, what you are selling and why, right? Why do I think that these two questions are very important and and cover the basics of why there's securities disclosures? Because anytime you're selling something that's not like a raw consumable product. No, you're not selling soap here. You're not selling food. You're selling something that people are fundamentally investing in. They are looking for a return, right? They're looking for a return. Every single crypto is not used up, right? You're looking for a return, you know, every single one of them. And and it's stable coins. You're looking not to lose money, right? Maybe you're not looking for upside, but you're definitely not looking to lose money, but you're not consuming this, right? This is not a product that you're consuming. You're investing in it to flip it to somebody else down the line. <laughs> um, that is, you know, what these things are. And they really don't want to talk about that, the term investing, because then they think, oh, this looks like a security. Well, guess what? They all are securities. 
you know, and what pisses me off is number one, this event was closed. You have regulators opining about what they think is the security, which tokens they think are commodities. They think that Ethereum and Bitcoin, of course, are, are commodities, but of course they're not. Um, they're securities, in my opinion. But you have this closed door event and you have this this DC blockchain you know, group, right? They're basically a lobbyist group and they invite all these, the head of the SEC, the head of the DOJ, cyber division, uh, the head, you know, SC, Hester Pierce, of course, was there. She's at every single crypto event. She can get her little grimy hands on. <laughs> um, I'm surprised she's even still being paid by the public. The public should not be paying this woman's salary because she's clearly, she's clearly biased and goes on. She goes on, um, these Bitcoin bros that have these new podcasts, they're like 20 people, 20 people in there. Right. And she'll go on them. Right. And my, my podcast doesn't have a lot of people either. Maybe no one, but I'm not inviting people like her onto my show. Right. I'm not inviting important people onto my show. Number one, I don't think they'd come right. Cause they're big names, but Hester Pierce goes on a, a Bitcoin bro podcast, a new one that's got, you know, like less than 200, you know, probably subscribers. And she goes on there because she is basically looking for her next gig. She might even be in, being paid, you know, bribes under the, under the table here to, uh, to be very friendly to crypto. But I'm, I'm, I'm guessing she's just looking for her next gig here. Uh, she's hoping for a big payday, you know, cause she's the friendliest, you know, SEC, uh, person that I know of. And she's just looking for her her next great, great gig, kind of like uh, Brian Brooks. Although I kind of like, I kind of like Brian Brooks. And I mean, I like the way he he speaks to people. He's um, he's always very nice and friendly, and compliments them. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, he of course was head of OCC for a while under Trump, I think, and then he went into crypto. Of course, they all did. They all these regulators eventually go into into the crypto space in a private capacity. But yeah, I mean, just the gall of this woman. Just the gall of the crypto people thinking that they can they can just write a bill and, and push it through Congress to basically determine up front their new rules for determining whether something is a security and whether something is a commodity. And, you know, it's my opinion that some people really do just want the clarity, but I don't want this bill to pass, even if there's more clarity. I don't, because you're just saying, which is, you know, the tokens are either securities or not, or commodities. I don't want this bill to pass if their methods for determining which one is the security and commodity are fundamentally wrong, right? They're fundamentally um, just bad. I don't want this to pass. I'd rather there be still some fuzzy fuzziness going on. And in my opinion, the fuzziness is always going to persist because basically, um, you're, you're taking this group of assets called cryptocurrencies and you're trying to split hairs. You're trying to say, well, which one looks more like a security and which one could we say is maybe not a security. But in reality, the reason why you're, you don't understand what's going on here, the reason why it's so confusing is because they're all fundamentally securities. They all are. And I get it. It's a new technology. It's a new it's a new way of selling a technology, right? You're, you're, you have this group of people now who are, quote unquote, mining this thing into existence, talking about Bitcoin here, and and it's just traded and it's, it's it, it can be traded by anybody sort of peer to peer. And it's across the world. It's this new asset class that sort of can exist everywhere, just needs the Internet. 
Um, and there's all these different exchanges everywhere that can 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 list it so people can go and buy and sell it and it can be traded against all these other crypto assets that are sort of in the same category, but different. Um, so it's a very different way of selling this thing and even creating it. You don't just have one central actor create it, creating it. You have this protocol that was launched, this protocol, which is code, which says how this thing is created, uh, the rules. Like if you want to play the Bitcoin game, these are the rules. These are the rules of the protocol. Anybody can join. Anybody can do this mining. And then basically, if you win, right, you're competing against everyone else, then you're able to create this thing. There's a new new instance of this Bitcoin. There's a new creation. It's not, not new instance. This is just new more Bitcoin to sell, right, to sell into the market. So the question is, again, back back from this one speech from Arthur Levitt in saying why in 1999 that, that securities offered, offered over the Internet uh, still have to answer these same questions. They still have to say, what are you selling and why? What are you selling and why? So if a Bitcoin miner were to be asked this, you know, qu- this tough question, what are you selling and why, Right. What are you selling and why? And if they made a material misstatement about what they're selling and why, they're committing fraud. Because anytime you are lying, I did a whole whole little rant yesterday about this, talking about fraud. Anytime you are selling something and lying about what it is, uh, where you end up gaining, right? You're gaining something and you you end up sort of harming somebody else. And this could be just as simple as you sold Bitcoin at a profit and they they basically have a loss because Bitcoin price has gone down. Um, that's fraud. So I want to ask every single Bitcoin miner, what are you selling and why? Right? What are you selling and why? So you created you created this thing called Bitcoin, this new issuance of Bitcoin uh, that that's, that's adheres to the rules of, of the Bitcoin protocol or the code, right? Um, so the, the way that you might answer this as a Bitcoin miner is that, well, I just joined this this, this loose group of people who, um, who believe in these these rules set out by the code and I mined it, meaning I took a bunch of computers and I spent a bunch of electricity and eventually I, I, I won the, the new issuance, the new reward, right? So I basically created it. It's artificially tied to the work because the work itself just is dictated as something I need from the protocol to get new Bitcoin into this world. So, um, but, but, I, I won something. I won this token, right? Right now, okay. What if what if the Bitcoin miner never sold it? Well, then it wouldn't be a security because you have to. Security involves selling something, selling something, right? Basically, taking in money for something else, right? That's 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 one part of it. Um, if if the Bitcoin miners just just were mining this and keeping it and never selling it, they'd really never be issuing security. But we know that they do sell it. Why? Because this stuff exists in Coinbase. We know it trades. We know people want to buy it. There's a market, right? So they, so Bitcoin miners, whoever's been mining this, is selling. We we basically can say that all Bitcoin that's for sale right now, or in existence, um, has been offered by a Bitcoin miner. So who are the issuers of the Bitcoin security? It's actually the Bitcoin miners. And what implicit promise? What are they selling and why? What are they selling and why? They're selling this token, right? That they got by mining uh, Bitcoin, right? By by exactly what I just said previously. But now what are they selling and why? What is the why? What is the why, right? Why, so 
why would anybody buy Bitcoin? That's another question. It's a why question, but it's not kind of on the other side. Uh, why would anybody buy a question? Why, why would anyone buy Bitcoin? Why? Right? A lot of people would say they think it's digital gold. They think it's going to go up. They think it's going to blah, blah, blah. They think that they can maybe use it as a currency. Um, okay. Um, you might be able to use this as a currency, right? You may be able to hand your Bitcoin over to somebody, but that relies on somebody else either accepting Bitcoin and wanting to hold it themselves or accepting Bitcoin only because they know that they can sell it to somebody else and get the dollar value back out, right? So it's, a, it's like a tool. It's almost like a check. It's almost like a way to, to move money around, but nobody really wants the Bitcoin, right? So there's, this is the, the use case of payments, this is the use case of payments and it can be used like this and it is being used like this currently. Um, but, uh, you could argue that anytime you wanted to move Bitcoin this way, you didn't, you don't really have to just buy and hold it and you wouldn't because it's so volatile. Why would you take the price risk? Anytime that I want to pay someone in Bitcoin, because maybe that's their preferred payment method, I can just go into the market pretty easily and, and buy whatever dollar amount, right. That I need to send to, Whoever's, whoever wants the Bitcoin, I can go at that moment, buy it, and then send it, right? And I'm done with the Bitcoin. Uh, that's it. I, I don't need to sit on Bitcoin for a month. I don't need to dollar cast average this Bitcoin, right? And take the volatility risk. So what are the people doing who are actually wanting to do that? Who are the people who are going to Swan Crypto, Coinbase, and buying every month, right? These are the people that are thinking that they're they're saving in Bitcoin. Now, why would you do that? They don't, they don't want to buy Bitcoin just to lose money, right? They don't want to do that. They can just hold dollars, right? I mean, what I'm saying is purchasing power. They don't want to buy Bitcoin just to lose purchasing power. They want to buy Bitcoin because they think it's an investment. They think either the Bitcoin is going to go up in price, right? Dollar price from where they bought it at, or they think that the purchasing power of this Bitcoin is going to rise compared to the relative relative uh, um, comparison to other goods and services that they, they want to buy in the future. Because these are the people that say that they don't really want to trade it for dollars. They want to trade it for a house. So if you could really convince someone to trade you know, trade a house for Bitcoin, uh, this, this is what the Bitcoin bros really want, right? They want to do this. Well, why are they doing this again? Why? They think it's going to go up in price. Why the hell should it go up in price? It's not a business. It's not a productive business. It doesn't produce cash flows. Buying Bitcoin itself does not mean that you get to participate in some wider Bitcoin community as far as, as, as no, you do get the community, you know, the la la la, I'm a kumbaya Bitcoiner, I'm a hodler, you know, you do get to pretend like you're in this like community club. But what I'm saying is you don't get to participate in any kind of revenue sharing of, of being in Bitcoin. Like the Bitcoin miners are the ones producing right making a profit um you don't you don't get a piece of this network at most you're a listening node and i got into a debate the other day with a guy that said listening nodes are just as important as mining nodes um no they're not <laughs> the mining nodes are the ones throwing hash power at the at the at the network uh you're telling me that they're just as important as just a listening node um you should be laughed out of the room I mean, who gets to write to the database called Bitcoin Ledger? It's the miners that win a block. They get to add new transactions. So they're way more important um, than a listening node. <laughs> uh, 
you've got to be kidding me, right? You've got to be, you've got to be kidding me with that, with that stupid claim. Um, so, uh, the point is, is, is again, back to this idea of why Bitcoin is a security from the, from the buyer's perspective, why are they buying it? Most people are buying it for an investment. Some might, might they, you know, the unbanked or whatever you want to call them, the humanitarian reasons, whatever. Some people, very few people are buying it as a currency just, or as a technology. I wouldn't even call it a currency. I, do, I call it like a, a technology, a check, just a way to pay somebody. Uh, but you're really paying them the dollar value, not the Bitcoin value. And you don't need to like coddle this shit. You just need to go to Coinbase, get it, um, you know, get it at the time you need it and sell it. You don't need to actually hold on to it. You don't need to invest, you know, dollar cost average this. You just need to um, buy it when you need it. And it's available on Coinbase 24-7. You don't even have to wait till Monday, right? Because it trades over the weekend, supposedly. Now, this depends on, you know, how quickly you can get it out of Coinbase. Uh, but, you know, Kraken just, I guess, uh, set up lightning. So if you need to get your get your Bitcoin out to send to somebody as a payment, um, I suppose, you know, Kraken is now, um, you know, on the frontier here with lightning stuff. So you can, uh, you can get it out there. So, um, uh, so, um, yeah, so, so if the SEC will look at this and say, um, and do I really think the SEC is going to be bullied by Loomis and like the, the people that want to pass this bill in Congress? I, you know, I realize that Congress sort of makes the law, but I think that the SEC needs to step up here and say, we don't want to be bullied by this, this politician who is clearly biased. <laughs> she's clearly biased. Like she's pro Bitcoin. Uh, she's not, um, she's not neutral or objective at all. But the point is, is that the SEC is going to look at Bitcoin and say, look, yes, some people are using it for payments. But what are the vast majority of people doing? Or not even that. If anyone is buying Bitcoin because they think it's going to go up in price, that's a security. That's an investment. You know, that's an investment. The problem is, is that the once Bitcoin is labeled as a security, um, it's going to be heavily regulated. It, can, you know, everywhere it's listed needs to be regulated by the SEC. Um, this thing needs to have proper disclosures. So any kind of, so I would say, all the Bitcoin miners when they first sell, you know, Bitcoin when they they've mined it, you know, they're selling it into the market. These people are going to have to not not only KYC, right? They're going to have to KYC all these transactions, uh, but they're also going to have to make disclosures. And here is why Bitcoin is a security reason number two. Um, it's beyond just the fact that people are investing in it for number go up. It's it's that when you sell something, again, ask the question to yourself, what are you selling and why? What are these Bitcoin miners selling and why? And what implicit promises are they making to the people that buy it, right? So a Bitcoin miner they sell this new issuance of Bitcoin that's created and they implicitly imply to the buyer that this thing will continue into perpetuity, that your Bitcoin that you bought from me, right, is going to exist in the future. They have to disclose what would make it possible for this Bitcoin to end, right? Or they have to disclose, hey, I may not be mining forever. There's other miners here too. And you depend on them to uh, basically mine 24-7 um, uh, all the time because if they stop, 
then Bitcoin can't have transactions. You can't transact your Bitcoin. You can't sell your Bitcoin to someone. Your Bitcoin ceases to exist. That's risk number one. Risk number two is that, you know, you lose your Bitcoin key. Risk number three, can you really own a number? Can you really prove in a court of law that, that you basically own this thing uh, and that no one else can guess your private key? Because, I mean, it's technically just a number, right, in theory. And you can't patent a number. I mean, you can't you can't claim that you're the only one that knows this number. What if a, a quantum, quantum, quantitative or quantum computer in the future, I guess it's really super, super power computer, um, can guess it in the future? Or what if somebody just randomly guesses it? I don't know. Uh, this isn't um, my, 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 uh, I'm not, not my expertise with the quantum computers. But I mean, in theory, all this Bitcoin stuff depends on math. That's, that's risk number four or five uh, disclosure. Um, basically, the, 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 um, the Shaw 256 or whatever, it's just a hard math problem. Like it could be, it could be crafted one day. It's just a theory that it's a very hard math problem. Um, the discrete log theorem or whatever, that's just a very hard math problem. All this stuff relies on math. It's not, um, and what is math? Math is um, something that is abstract. It's not really of this world. It's a language. It's a tool. It's, it's created by humans and it's a, it is a wonderful tool, but in theory, um, all math, uh, can, can be cracked. Like all this math is just a theory until proven if it can be, uh, um, hacked or whatever you want to call it or disproved. Um, it's not of this nature. It's not like there's no, there's no real, real Bitcoin, right? It's just, it's just, um, numbers. It's just code. It's just what humans think it is. So again, back to this question, what are you selling and why? And if this thing is being sold to people, um, and the SEC says, well, a lot of people are buying this as an investment number go up. They're going to ask the legitimate next question. They're going to call it a security. And then they're going to say, well, as an SEC person, they'd say something like this. Hmm. How is it going to actually produce a pro? Like, why should number go up? What What about Bitcoin? What about the, the people that are uh, running it? The d- developers that are into it? What about like the Jack Dorsey guy who pumps it? What What do they think will make number go up? Like, is there a real business here? Is it valuable? Is it producing a service? Um, why should it go up? And then they're going to think about it for a little bit, and they're going to say, uh. There's nothing valuable here. It's just other people trading it. And they might compare it to something like gold. And they and they, then they'd say, well, there's no one who actually needs Bitcoin. Like, what are they, are there, is there anyone who actually uses Bitcoin as a raw input good to something else? And then it's, you know, sells it. Is there any reason to like mine this stuff that, that, that consists of a human utility? You know, are, is there any natural buyer here? Who are the natural buyers of Bitcoin? right? Who, who are the natural buyers of Bitcoin that don't just consist of people wanting number to go up or wanting to use it as sort of a payment rail. That's how I describe it. Or other people say it's currency. Basically you're giving it to somebody else, but who, who needs to give it on, on down the line to somebody else? Like that's the only thing you can do with it. And they're going to say to themselves, well, why should this thing keep going up? Maybe supply and demand. Yes. That's, that's the reason for everything. But where is this demand coming from? Is it, all coming from speculation? Is it all coming from people talking in the market like sailors saying that it's going to go to a million dollars a coin or going to replace uh, 
basically going to be the premier asset because he calls it the best property ever, even though I don't understand why he thinks that because you can't really own a number and all Bitcoin is is a number. So the SEC is going to look at this and say something like that. You know, if they were being honest, thorough, if they weren't being bribed by the crypto people, which I thoroughly think that most of them are. Uh, maybe not Gensler, but I also think Gensler, I think he's a smart guy and I think he understands Bitcoin, but I don't think he wants to ruffle feathers and piss a lot of people off. Um, so um, I think he probably believes it's a security. He probably believes all crypto is a security. But whether he's going to press this, you know, whether he even has the power to do so, um, I don't know the answer to that. But um, but um, but I think that, again, going back to this D.C. blockchain event that I missed because they made you pay for the live stream and I wasn't going to do it at a principal. Um, you know, I think that that Senator Lummis needs to come out and say, look, here's here's my understanding of the. 1930s, 1940s securities uh, uh, regulation law. And here's all the reasons why I think that blockchain or Bitcoin or tokens get a free pass and don't have to follow this, right? Or need their own carve out, need their own special uh, bill that basically just says why they, why, like basically she's just jumping the gun. She's saying these crypto assets, Bitcoin and Ethereum, they just need to be labeled commodities. I'm not going to explain why. I mean, I haven't read the bill, but I hope it's very detailed and explains exactly her logic on why she thinks that certain assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum should be commodities. Um, I doubt that it does. I think it's probably just authoritative and basically says we're claiming that Bitcoin and Ethereum are, um, are, are, are commodities and not securities. I wonder if she actually puts in the bill... Um, you know, which ones are securities? Is she going to label Ripple security in this bill, like just flat out, even though it's being, you know, the SEC is currently, currently has a case. And I don't even know how this is going, but it's being dragged out, right? SEC accused Ripple of being a security. <clears throat> um, and again, the SEC also doesn't determine which is security. They enforce the law. So who, who determines what's a security? I mean, basically the law, but who applies the law? Um, like, I guess a judge right? Or a court, right? A court will ultimately determine, um, you know, hash out all the arguments and, and tell you, tell us what's the security and what's not. And what Lummis is doing with this bill, she's trying to like bypass the SEC, right? Who this is supposed to be their baby. This is supposed, they're supposed to be the experts on securities laws. You know, if anyone is an expert, they should be right. They should be hiring people that this is what they do full time. <laughs> she's trying to bypass this group of people by making a law that just dictates what's the security in the token world. She's also trying to bypass judges, right? Or court people, lawyers, who as their day job, this is what they do. They think about concepts. They try to classify stuff. They try to classify which things, which assets in this world, which products that are being sold, what are securities? As, you know, trying to interpret this law and then try to classify the essence of what these tokens are on. How are they sold? Why are they being sold? Why are people buying them? Right? What are what are the risks here? Because in my opinion, the SEC, a lot of people say the SEC doesn't need to exist. Right? Okay. Maybe it doesn't. What is the SEC's ultimate goal? Investor protection. 
Some people say they kind of do a bad job at this. And right now they're failing, in my opinion, with, with crypto because a lot because their inability to say something about crypto and 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 go after clear frauds and clear securities um in my opinion is is giving the market a signal that hey the sec isn't going to force the law it doesn't matter you can commit fraud and fraud that is the key word here the sec is trying to trying to expose fraud in my opinion, this is why the SEC sort of exists. And I'm not like a history buff on this, but this is just current, current working understanding of why we want the SEC, because fraud's rampant. And what is the SEC wanting to do? They can't get rid of fraud, but they're just hoping to ask these types of questions. What are you selling and why? What are you selling and why? Right? And, and hoping that if they ask these questions to different companies, or different entities that are selling certain products that's, that that fall under, you know, they're not consumables, whatever. They're they're for investor, they're for some kind of investment from return, or whatever. Um, we're asking these questions: What are you selling and why? In order to just help protect or help front run this fraud that could exist, because a lot of people are defrauded whenever they believe someone's selling a a product, right? An investment product of some kind. And they just believe their lies. They believe stuff that they're making up about this thing. Um, so what the SEC is trying to do, they're trying to say, well, if we force people that are selling, selling stuff, ask these questions, what are you selling and why? They'll have to disclose certain things about their company. They'll have to identify themselves to the public, sort of. So you know that they make you sell, tell, tell us your name and address, right? Well, there's a reason why you have to disclose that when you register with the SEC to sell a security. So that anybody will know who to sue, right? So that I know um, if I buy the sell token or whatever token, I know that it's run by Alex Masinski or, or whoever is, is selling it, right? Or, or XYZ token. I, I know who's selling this. I know their address and I can basically um, sue them in a court of law, right? For fraud or for whatever I think I'm accusing them of, right? So, you know, it's usually some type of fraud. The SEC is there <laughs> mainly, right? Prim primarily to, uh, to root out um, fraud or to front run it, right? They can't get rid of all fraud, but they want these certain disclosures. Having a security, having to list your token as a security does not mean you can't sell it. You absolutely could sell it, right? You just have to go through proper disclosures, have to sign up with the SEC, and then, you know, find a suitable place to offer this thing. Maybe there's a lockup period or whatever. Um, you know, you can actually have a private placement, <laughs> like, uh, you know, um, this is a way you can even get around the SEC. You can basically say, I have an exemption. I'm going to sell shares of this thing. I'm going to have a lockup period. This is what sort of GBD, GBTC did. Um, and then in 12 months, it'll be open to the public, right? It'll be open to the public. Anybody could buy. There's these basic disclosures. Um, so having, you know, having to register with the SEC isn't the end of the world, uh, but, but now you have accountability. And it's very telling that a lot of these Bitcoin bros and other crypto people don't want to have to name them, name themselves, right? They want to be totally anonymous, but why are they, are they trying to hide something? Are they trying to commit fraud? Um, are they trying to basically sell you a token and then just rug pull you, right? Because, you know, in a way, Bitcoin, you could, you could rug pull somebody in Bitcoin very easily. What if all the miners just decided I'm not going to mine anymore? 
what if the what if the uh, BSA right the 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 money transmitter laws were applied to Bitcoin miners, which I think they definitely should be, because Bitcoin miners are money transmitters. They're fundamentally moving value from A to B in transactions. You know, FinCEN just sort of missed this part, and the Bitcoin miners are doing this as a business. They have to access a lot of them are public companies. They want to access public dollars. Uh, they have to make SEC disclosures. Well, how come they haven't had to disclose that in fact they are money transmitters, right? And I talked about this the other day. Big oil companies are now mining Bitcoin. You know, there's a big target on these companies' back, right? Because they're fought in the fossil fuel industry. Um, it'd be I'm not a climate activist, but it would be very easy for me if I wanted to hurt these companies to basically claim that they're money transmitters. They're currently breaking the law by mining Bitcoin. Um, I would absolutely do this if I was a climate activist and hated these companies. Um, I don't, but I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Now, I don't like the fact that the Bitcoin miners, in general, who are just Bitcoin miners, um, not energy companies, but I don't like the fact that they're able to break the law and every other financial institution has to abide by it. Why does every other financial intu institution have to, you know, sign up as a money transmitter, get regulated from under BSA, have to KYC, you know, whatever, know your customer? Um, why don't why Bitcoin miners get to escape this rule? And it's another example of the Bitcoin people. They fundamentally think the rule of law doesn't apply to them. They think that they've created this new technology called blockchain. And this gets them a, a get out of jail free card. Like they get to break all kinds of laws. They should have this this new bill that says which tokens are securities and which ones are commodities. Right. They, they just they feel like they they need a separate like playpen. They need separate rules that govern their system because, oh, they're so unique and, and precious. And, oh, the blockchain is cool. And, you know, this just reminds me again of that article, this article by Arthur Levitt. I keep referring to this. He in 1999, people were saying, well, I'm still I'm still selling a security over the Internet. I shouldn't have to. You know, the Internet is so cool. I shouldn't have to buy by the same rules. It's a new technology. Arthur Levitt says, it doesn't matter where you're selling it, right? You still have to answer the questions. What are you selling and why? It doesn't matter if you have your thing over the blockchain. What are you selling and why? You have to answer these questions. You have to answer these questions. And so every cryptocurrency that is created, um, in my opinion, um, it's just code, right? It's just code. Until, until you start selling it, until you start offering it into the market, and then you have to answer the question, what are you selling and why? Right? You you do not get to get, you know, you do not get to have a pass on this question just because you say, I'm a token on the blockchain or I'm a cryptocurrency. So I'm special and I shouldn't have to answer these questions. Um, and you should just let me get away with all kinds of uh issue, you know, issuance of securities. Um and yeah. You don't get you don't get to get away with that. And in my opinion, the most rampant fraud that I've seen is coming from the crypto industry. Now, I think there's a lot of fraud, too, you know, in the regular securities market uh, companies, you know, um, that this no one is is prosecuting them. But, you know, I think it's because the public doesn't realize that they can bring a private lawsuit against one of these companies. The SEC isn't the only one. They can go after these crypto projects or companies in general that commit fraud. Um, the public, the public needs to go after them privately, personally. They need to go after these crypto people. 
And the last thing I wanted to talk about was lawyers. Where are the lawyers that are just waiting to smell blood, right? So I see a lot of crypto lawyers, and I've talked about this before, that are basically paid off by the crypto industry. They, they, or they just, just through normal business, they get, they make a lot of money supporting crypto, being on the other side of this, helping them avoid security slots or make them think that they're avoiding them. You know, um, there's a lot of money on this side. Where, where are all the shark lawyers on the other side? Where are they? Where are the lawyers that hate crypto? I want to talk to you because I have some ideas about how to sue some private crypto people individually, um, bringing cases against them. And I talked about this yesterday. Anyone who is telling you to hodl, right, um, is a target for me. I want to target them. And um, I just want to run some some ideas by a lawyer. I'm a hobbyist lawyer, I'd say. Um, But I I think that this... uh, I think that this is a great example of a case, an easy case you could bring against um, a guy like a Dan Held who's saying hodl because he's only saying hodl, right? So that you hold and don't sell while he can sell. So if he's ever sold Bitcoin in the past, um, all you have to do is tell a judge, I think he sold crypto in the past, sorry, Bitcoin in the past, but yet he's telling everyone to hodl on, on Twitter. Uh, I believed him. And I didn't sell when I should have. When I was up at a profit, I, I decided to ride it all the way down. Uh, I should have. I should have sold. Um, but Dan held. I think he did sell. Um, and by, while he was telling others to hodl, and if they go look at Dan Held's bank statement, um, this would be. Uh, uh, and if they find that he's ever sold Bitcoin in the past, they'd accuse him of fraud, and then they'd make him basically make you whole, right? Because he gained something, you lost something. So. That's just one example of a prominent Bitcoiner talking about how um, how you should um, basically committing fraud, in my opinion, on a personal level. And this has not been explored. This has not been explored by any lawyer I know of. Uh, you know, yeah, they, they tend to take like these class action suits where they accuse someone like the Dapper Labs of, of selling securities, which Dapper Labs is definitely selling securities with their Topshop product. I mean, I've not seen anything more clear than them uh, for security, those NFTs, because um, they partner with the, the players. It, the NFT depends on the players. The NFT also uh, can only be resold by them. They take a cut of every sale. I mean, this has got security uh, blaring all over it. And I don't understand. There was a law. There was a lawsuit. I wonder what happened. They probably settled quietly. There was a private lawsuit like a year, a year or so ago. And I haven't, I haven't uh, heard anything about it. And what happens is I bet you these companies just pay these people off to go away because if they do so, nothing becomes um, private. They can just keep, sorry, nothing becomes public. They keep everything private. So I want to build a tool. I want to talk to some lawyers to think of tactics, to think of reasons to go after these Bitcoin people and crypto people in general, because I think they're committing massive, massive fraud. And they've made so much money in this space that it's really just there for the taking.